2: Log Talk radio Kalen Patterson
0: Midwest <laughs> Muscle P for P This program is sponsored by Supplement Good in the industry. <laughs> 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 I'm already laughing. I'm already laughing. Oh, that's as far as I can go. I'm sorry. The number one drug-free sponsorship foundation in the world. I was trying to be Marvin Gaye, if anybody's wondering. (laughs) Because I just couldn't do Deva It's Deva Yeah, I just realized (laughs) I missed on that one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, anywho, if you are a drug-free athlete and looking for a solid foundation to stand on, and a Marvin Gaye voice. Yeah. And possibly a vehicle to drive your goals. Like what, that's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like a truck <mat-tratu> to ice cream.
0: <laughs> so tell me what's going on. And now, let's talk.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: let's
1: wow. talk. Tell okay, the now. The O Patterson.
0: The clan. Um clan. We had some good, 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 good guests on Tuesday. And we had, we didn't have many questions, but the ones that were asked were very good questions. And I think it just caught a lot of our listeners by surprise when they were hearing just how, you know, entrenched people can get in the health and fitness and even the benefits of a relationship a healthy one that comes from it. So, you know, I know people are always trying to correlate a lot of things, but one of the good questions at the end was one that had been in my head the whole time we were doing it, and that was when they were asking about, you know, how did you know it was going to be okay to cross that line? Because that's a big, big no-no in the industry, mm. and yet they made it work, and, and it's functioning well. But I think you'd have to go back and listen to the whole show just to understand how that dynamic came to be because it was never really a trainer. Uh, I don't I, I, That dynamic was basically, uh, I guess, adjusted to fit because it was never set about, you know, like, you're going to be my client and i'm I'm gonna be the trainer or vice versa
1: yep you know that that is a tough one, and you know as as both of us having been in a position where you know we have that decision of what to do with that line, either as a boss an employee, personal trainer and client, you know you I don't know i mean that you do. No, but you already have to have those those uh, those guidelines in your head as to what you will and won't do. And if you find yourself interested in someone that violates those guidelines, you already have to establish, okay, how am I going to handle this? And you have to have those open conversations of what you're going to do about it if that should happen, you know, with that individual. Because, you know, I if, if love is love and true love is true love, then it needs then it is what it is. So you can't just avoid it because, you know, you're a trainer and someone is your client, but you need to be very open and honest about that and look at what those repercussions could be. You know, for some people, it's a matter of, well, you know, you can no longer be my client. If I'm going to date you, I can no longer train you. And so you have to have those discussions and make those, um, you know, decisions. But it's usually not just one-sided at that point if something progresses exactly. to that level, you you have an idea if there is interest or not. You know, and in and, and, um, Debbie and John's story, I mean, they, they were unique to each other, especially from Debbie's perspective Very. in that she, you know, she had instances to um, get to know him, relate to him, develop a relationship with him that she normally would not have had and has not had with other clients so they had common friends they did social activities together she had never engaged in a social activity or social outing with any of her other clients just one on one and as far as my understanding is to this day she still hasn't so you know their relationship transcended the bounds of true friendship i mean personal trainers and their clients they become friends but I think this is a friendship beyond even that level of being a friend and, you know, a confidant, which trainers are a lot of the time. And it just blossomed into oh, something it. else. And so, you know, and it it was, you know, and he was, and he's the one who actually pursued it. It wasn't the other way around. So you got to kind of think about that as well as yes, they had this friendship, you know, and, In speaking with Debbie, I know she had said that when he had asked her if he could court her, she was very torn because, A, they had become good friends, and she didn't know if she could handle him not being her friend if something went wrong. Because her being so busy in trying to build her business over all these years, she hadn't really formed a lot of close relationships with anyone. And so here you have this individual where, you know, it it was written in the stars for them. But, you know, she so she was – it wasn't like I want to court you and then, okay, let's do it. I mean, there were some – that part of the story didn't get relayed, but there was a lot of thought that went into it, and they had several conversations yes. as to, well, you know, this could happen, this could happen, you know, these are these repercussions, da-da-da-da-da. You know, I don't date clients, you know, all of these sorts of things. And so they made those decisions. Now, you know, if you're a trainer and you fall in love with your client and vice versa and you have to relinquish them as a client, well, then if they're your your mate at that point, then I guess the training still continues and you haven't lost anything, right? So small sacrifices if that's a relationship that you want to pursue. But, you know, as a small business owner, I always had that policy and I was single for many years that I I would not date my employees or even entertain pursue relationships with them and I held that same standard for my personal trainers because it is so easy for people that spend that amount of time together depending on their training you know training package or schedule or whatever they've got going on and the amount of information that you have to share with your trainer as far as health, stressors, things that are going on with you um, that impact how you feel, what your workout felt like, how you're eating, all of those sorts of things. You know, it is not uncommon to develop a close friendship, but it doesn't mean it has to go beyond friendship, and you just have to be prepared to handle that or know what your next step is going to be if it does. I mean, that's my thoughts. Kalen, what do you think?
0: Well, there's two things that I'd like to add to that. One, there was a third party and I think that's what a lot of the listeners had missed. And, uh, I know he had, he had, he had brought that point out, but it had gotten mm-hmm. overlooked because they were responding so in depth with what they were saying, because they were really open about that. And that was, I was really appreciating that whole fact of it that, you know, they could be that open and honest about it because it is a touchy situation, but there were a lot mm-hmm. of, uh, old factors I would like to say, that helped out with that and made that more understanding and reasonable because a lot of people just don't seem to understand that it is a no-go situation when, uh, you know, those things aren't present because, you know, there's got to be some prior knowledge of each other and there's going to be a lot of interacting, like Des says, where we're not on equal ground. A trainer will not be on equal ground with a client. So, if the only time you are having interaction is at the gym, there's going to be some things that are basically saying, you know, this shouldn't be happening, this shouldn't be happening, and that shouldn't be happening. But they were interacting a lot away from the gym, and that third party was always present. So, I I hope everybody kept that in mind, because, you know, I don't want, and I don't think that's what John wanted, people to just go running out and saying, well, heck, it all works, because there's a lot of things that play into that is not knowing the people personally, just knowing their gym life, because that's all you see. Um, you're in an environment where you as a trainer are basically setting the atmosphere or should be setting the atmosphere to make it sure it's a successful one. And if you don't know the person's individual life, only basically what they're saying, you have to go more in depth with that. There's a lot of, a lot of factors that have to play into that. And they were basically mapping that out, and I th- I like at the end how they said, "Look, this is still not something you want to do, especially." And most of the time, you know, there there is a significant other involved with the other person, or or both. You know, we have to remind ourselves of that. So there, you know, it's, we can't have the grass is greener kind of mentality when we're talking about what we're talking. They're, they they had a very special. And I would keep saying it's a God-given relationship because there was a lot of things that just were right falling into place. And, you, you know, I always say, you know, God always gives you a perfect gift, not something that's broken or shattered. And and they had um, a lot of things going on individually, but they weren't necessarily broken individuals where one was basically leading a significant other to try and fix the broken individual. So, we, you know, I'd love to make sure that people are thinking about that because we did get a lot of uh, inquiries about the people who were, you know, tuning in late as to how can it be good for, you know, that kind of dynamic to work. But like I said, there were a lot of factors that were, you know, basically in play already. And with that third party basically making sure that there's some kind of referee to make sure, you know, things did, you know, go over on one side, not the other, that somebody could reign them in. So, you know, there, I, just want to add that part to it because I know that a lot of people had tuned in late or basically when they were getting in their cars hitting the highway from work, and they might have missed that part. And, you know, yeah, um, Sheila, I, I get your point that, you know, it's still a tough spot, but it's still something mm-hmm. that we have to factor in because that's the way it was. It wasn't like they were hiding anything. And the fact that he used the word court, and it, I said I was already sold, so I can imagine how she was taking that.
1: Yep. I mean, it it is a tough factor and it's it's not something that we recommend. And if you listen to the interview, if you had the chance to, it's not something that they recommended because they don't recommend it to any of their other trainers in their business. But it is something that happened in the way that they chose to communicate about it and, you know, determine if they were going to pursue it, you know, that is between the two of them. Um, And again, going back to, you have to know where your personal boundaries are and then what are the next steps and not have it be like a willy-nilly thing that, well, if I, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm good with dating all of my clients. No, that's not a good thing. That's no. not a good thing at all. And, you know, from the, from the position of being a professional and then also safeguarding your client so they can feel secure enough to be open around you in the manner that they need to be for you to be able effective with them without fearing of you preying on them, that's just not something yes. you can do. So, again, Good. just to reiterate, he moved it forward on her end. She did not go the other way. So, um, But once that question was on the table, she did have to decide what she was going to do. And And, you know, it's a very real thing. I mean, I have seen, I've had trainers that have worked for me in the past. They're, you know, husband and wife are coming, you need to quit flirting with my wife, or you need to quit flirting with my husband. And, and the trainer will be like, oh, my gosh, you know, where did that come from? I have no idea what you're talking about. You're being too casual with my wife. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, do you tell all of your clients to have a good weekend? Um, yes. And it was over a text. So, you know, in this instance, the, the trainer was male, the client was female, she was married. They were having a discourse about her training, so a conversation about her training, a next appointment, something along those lines, and then at the end of that, my trainer told her, told his client to oh. have a good weekend, <laughs> and her <his> husband <laughs> wasn't having it, but obviously there were probably several other things he wasn't having, so, you know, depending on the spouse or the other person, it's easy to you know, get painted in a certain light when that's not what you're doing at all. So, as a trainer, you always have to be very professional because you just mm-hmm. never know how your actions are going to be interpreted, either by your client or by a client's spouse. So, it's just yes. always best, as a rule of thumb, not to go that route. So, we're not condoning, you know, trainers going out or, you know, trying to date your trainer, but if it happens to be mutual and there's two consenting adults, you decide, you know, you want to pursue it, then that's one thing. Me, myself, if it were me, I would have to, you know, relinquish that client in order to pursue the relationship. I mean, I think that's the proper way to go about it. if That's the direction you're headed. My two cents.
0: Yes. Well, uh, here's here's my extra penny.
1: (laughs) 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 Throw it in. Throw it in.
0: Um, I, when I first started bouncing and being a personal trainer, one of the things that just used to get me is that I had so much tenure, and you know I started a place, and then like there might be a changeover, where you know there's there's just this, this high turnover, and I finally went and asked, you know, what like what what keeps me here? Why am I still employed? And all these other what I would call. Well, okay, the person that knew what they were doing, the good trainer, because you know I'm still learning the business, I'm still learning the format and the premise for what the the building or the gym is expecting. So you know I'm still new to it. So there's things I have to learn that these people already know, and yet they're being walked out, you know, after three or four months, and they just could not understand why that. And you know, same thing with bouncing. I was like, well, what's going on? And the guy just you know flat out told me, you don't chase the women. He said, you're not. Uh, basically a hound dog for these clients that are basically trying to get their lives back in some kind of order or shape and and then you know you basically being the wrecker because you throw everything off balance because you had the upper hand like Bev was saying in knowing these people's personal information if you're not if it's done from a selfish point of view where there's no benefit to the other individual then it's it's nothing but selfishness and you basically having control over a situation and you're abusing that right. So you hurt a lot of trust, you hurt a lot of uh, basically a life and you know that there won't be any pursuit to it that gets you any further than basically in someone's pants. So, you know, there's no true benefit other than, you know, you getting something and, and basically everybody else seeming to fall apart. And, you know, Sadly, there's, there's, and I don't get you know, I hate to call them trainers just like I hate calling people coaches or nutritionists just because they have an idea about something. But if they're not being professional about it, then you can't really give them a professional name. So, you know, there's a lot of things that happen, a lot of factors that go in there. And like Dad says, if every time you see something you like, you've got to jump in bed with it, then, hey, you know, you're not being a trainer, you're not being professional, and you're not really being a good human being. So. You know they found a way to make it work, and like I say, I go back to that third-party individual who could be the referee to keep both sides safe if things had basically gone astray. So you know there's a lot of things that were in that mix, and I just enjoyed them and their you know openness and their, their just their their whole atmosphere. It was it was a blessing. So you know it's just uh, it's just good to have, and I, I enjoyed them. And I know there were many guests uh, that we had, I mean, sorry, many listeners that we had that were doing, doing well with it as well and had a lot of fun listening at that.
1: Hey, that's awesome. That's awesome. So I'm glad you guys enjoyed. I thought it was a good show as well. We didn't have as many questions and we noticed that, but, you know, I really don't measure a good show by the number of questions that we get. I mean, sometimes I do because when you guys are really engaged and we really feel like we've done our job in bringing you a topic that resonates with you that you want to know about and that you have questions for. So, I mean, that's always a good feeling to have. But sometimes you just have, you know, those kinds of guests that just give off a vibe and are sharing, you know, and just are sharing openly but positively. And it's in a manner that is helpful to somebody out there. I don't know who, but mm-hmm. I know somebody out there, one of you that was listening, I know that you took away a lot of good stuff from that show just by their manner of being and the way that they were sharing. And that to me also makes a good show. So yes. I you know, I enjoyed it and I hope you guys enjoyed it too. And you know, if you don't sometimes you guys don't have a lot of questions and that's okay. We are okay with that. But you know we always enjoy them, so Feel free and uh, if we can't get you on the show Like we did tonight We'll try to catch you on the next show And there you have it And there you have it And so speaking of shows We've got a good one for you tonight And I'm going to ask Mr. Kalen Patterson To kind of set the stage For um, what we're going to be talking about And who we're going to be talking with
0: Oh well this was a This is one that's been uh, basically sitting on the shelf, and we've all been privy to know about what's going on. And I was just super excited when I was uh, asked to be a part of it. And it was basically increasing the knowledge of someone, you know, having everything that could make this industry better, basically by speaking from their heart and one of the things that had to happen is that everyone had to make sure everything lined up and all the ducks are in a row because I'm learning that, uh, that some, some great ideas never make it from the, the drawing board because it just doesn't line up to where it can happen. So this is one of those situations where everything did line up and there was a lot of juggling because it's always just like any prep or any, any short competition, there's always something that factors in and it changes the whole dynamic. But you still gotta hold everything together. So this is one of those situations because it was, you know, like the very, very north part of North America and United States. So it was it was a stretch in this parts and roads and just everything. It had two individuals that had basically given their lives over to I guess the reality side of life from a documentary a point of view, and that's never easy because you know there's a lot of things that have to factor in with that as well, and we we thankfully had uh, Chris uh, Chris Worth and I, I don't know if he likes Christopher or Chris, but it should fit it into our little outline and link. I had to shorten his name, but and then we had Jack Howerson, and then and they just did some uh, amazing things with their bodies for you know two different reasons. But the outcome was the same, and that was basically seeing their minds and bodies change. So uh, I know we have Chris on the line. Uh, Chris, introduce yourself, and we'll talk more about the documentary and the show
2: itself. Um, I hope you can hear me. I'm not quite sure. Um,
1: Yep, we sure can.
2: uh, Okay, perfect. Perfect. Uh, my name's Christopher Worth, as Kaylin said. I typically go by Christopher, but if Chris gets me to the dinner table quicker, that works for me, also. So it doesn't much matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, we were Jack and I were fortunate enough to be chosen for uh, what's called Radical Body Transformation, which is a documentary series following bodybuilders, and um, that were actually most of them were in Canada, and most of and all of them were NPC competitors except Jack and I. Jack and I were the only natural wow. competitors that they followed. And it was really sort nice. of our road our road to the Minnesota mayhem in Duluth. So Kalen is correct. We were up in northern Minnesota here where it gets to sixty below in the winter and you yes. get snow and all of that. And fortunately Kalen did make it up there and did an excellent job. I appreciate all the work that he put in doing the interviews for us for this documentary. I know it wasn't an easy trek for him, given uh, the situation that he <laughs> ended up in that weekend, too. So, um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was, that the documentary was sort of how we got to the Minnesota mayhem.
1: Yeah, and, and, you uh, know, and there, it was, oh, ahead. I was just going to say, so you actually competed that same day that the docu- documentary was filmed. And just competing in and of itself is a huge mental task. And then to, you know, stand for the interviews and have your composure and all of that for the documentary as well, I mean, that that had to have been quite a full day for you on that day.
2: Well, it, it ended up to be a very full day and a really special day for me personally because after uh, – Five years of competing. That was my 10th show. It was, if you've seen the documentary, it was my 45th birthday. And um, I ended up winning my pro card in my division. So I was pretty, I was flying high by the time Kalen was interrupt, or interviewing me. So I was feeling good at <laughs> that bet. point, and it was, it was a
0: great day for me. Yeah, and, and there was a lot of things. There was a lot of hustle and bustle, expediters, uh, people not being in the right place. And one of the things <laughs> I noticed that you and Jack were doing was trying to help people get found because, you know, uh, Lisa has one of the bigger venues, so there's plenty of spaces to get lost if you're not careful and not yep. paying the full attention. Uh, so, you know, just the fact that you guys had the wherewithal to want to still help, even though there's so much insanity going on around you and basically, you know, the uh, the camera guy is trying to follow you around. So it's not easy but you found a way. How do you maintain your sanity with with so much happening all at once?
2: Okay. Well, and I think at that point it was, uh, again, I have a dedication and passion to the sport. Um, yes. I, I love it. I love, I love being involved in it. And um, I guess you just sort of, it's sort of how I live a lot of adventures in my life. I just sort of, I don't have a lot of high expectations of things. I don't go in with expectations. you just do what you can. That's one of the things I really found when I joined this sport. Uh, Late in life, of course, I didn't start until I was 40 uh, doing bodybuilding. Um, And the camaraderie that you get with everybody backstage. You know, uh, some people think that everybody's ogling everybody backstage and they don't have much clothes on. It's not that. We're all in the same boat. We're all angry. We all want to eat. We all want to get done. We all (laughs) think. Um, Yeah, we all smell bad. (laughs) Exactly. We just want to get each other from point A to point B so that they look their best, they present their best, and have a great time.
1: Exactly. And that's awesome. Um, So we've already got our listener questions rolling in. We want to get these going here. So Dale wants to know, Christopher, wasn't it a bit of a risk doing the documentary without knowing where you'd place?
2: Uh, No, it really wasn't a risk because it wasn't about me placing at that point. It was about my journey. And if if Dale hasn't had the opportunity to see the documentary, it was, I really never, when I started bodybuilding, I really never thought I would have a pro card. I'm fortunate enough to have one today and I'm very honored for it. I put in a lot of hard work. It's not an overnight win for me. Like I said, uh, 10 shows, five years, and finally got there. Um, So it wasn't about the placing, and it talks about the documentary. It was about uh, making a change in my life, a positive change in my life, a lifestyle change, and I think I've gotten a lot of benefits out of it. I've been down the rough roads of this sport also, so um, I can't say that it's all uh, rainbows and unicorns by any means, Um, but the few bumps in the road are surely outweighed by all the positives that I've
1: And that, I mean, and that, and that is so true with so, with so many things that anything that's worth doing is, is worth doing well, regardless of it all. And for our listeners yep. who haven't had a chance to, um, watch your documentary yet, and we have links to the documentary posted both on Midwest Muscle. On Midwest Muscle, you might have to dig a little bit because we posted it a little while ago, but it's also on p for p Real Talk with Desiree and Kaylin on Facebook. So you can catch it there, but, you know, so this this whole documentary is about radical body transformation. Why don't you <clears throat> give us a little taste of your story that got you pointed towards the bodybuilding stage? There sure. are you, Jenny. Um,
2: uh, and and um, what that was is I started out. Um, I've always was a, what they call a husky boy through uh, grade school, junior high. High school, um, and once I got into college, the weight started to pack on. Um, College into when I started my career, it just continued. And really what it was, it was really masking uh, what I had endured going through high school. I was bullied through high school, junior high, Mm -hmm. all of that. Um, And I won't get into the big long story, but I finally got to the point where I wanted to take a trip to Australia, Australia, New Zealand, and Fiji. I didn't want to do it at 230 pounds wearing clothes that looked like 10. Um, I wanted to do the beach without a T-shirt, and so I set my mind to my life needs to change. I also was on high blood pressure meds. Um, uh, I was killing myself. I truly was. That's the truth mm-hmm. of it. I'm not going to eat around the bush. So I started losing weight to go on the trip and I had a really good trainer, Jessica, two weeks before I left on that trip, she sort of planted that seed of bodybuilding, which I always tell people after I stopped laughing and rolling around the floor, I said, let's talk about that when I come back, and sure enough, two weeks after I came back, I already started that thinking of why am I at the gym, I'm done with the vacation, I want to eat pizza, all of those things, and I was smart enough to know I can't do that, so I met with Uh, my trainer and the owner of the gym who really started bodybuilding in our community. And they said, it's not much more than what you're already doing. And that's where it all started. I started training January and I competed in my first show in May and it's just rolled from there.
1: And that, I mean, and that's, that's quite, I mean, and then you've stuck with it for so long, um, just continuing your journey. And I mean, Obviously you needed that goal to keep you focused on your health and wellness goals, but you know, five years worth of it, that's that's quite a that's quite a bit. I mean, what beyond your physical health has kept you motivated to continue competing?
2: Well, and to be honest, it's fear that keeps me motivated. I don't want to go back to two hundred and thirty pounds. And that's fair. I think I think part of it also is everybody says, oh, you're such an inspiration. That's not why I did this. I truly did this for selfish reasons. I did this for myself. I needed to save myself because nobody else was going to do that for me. And so, That's you true. know, yeah. I just I keep doing it because it keeps me on the straight and narrow. And, again, mm. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the people that I'm coming in contact with. Um, I'm enjoying – when I'm not competing, I had this off season. I've been fortunate to be able to expedite shows backstage and do all of that stuff because I know I won't be able to do this sport the rest of my life. So when I'm not able to compete anymore, I want to be – I want to still be in the mix. I want to I help people get to where I've gone, either uh, Either just losing weight, whether it's competing, or even just getting people from point A to point B backstage. You know, so I, there you go. I'm not going – <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, I, I got a, a, something, and, and Des had pointed it out, but I'm going to go a little bit deeper in it, and that's the time before the actual win. Because I know there's a lot of people, and I can't really call them competitors, because when you're when you say it's all or nothing, you know, that you have to win, I don't consider that a truly competitive mind or mental state. And I'm sure you've seen – well, I, I know you remember when we were at the last show where, you know, the fellow was throwing the stuff to, you know, and almost hit yep. and hurt someone. So yep. what what do you have to tell – the? what can you share with the person that's thinking about competing but not, might not be mentally ready, you know, much less physically ready to step on that stage? Because it you are being judged, and I think some people don't really understand that fact until they get under there and hear the judges calling out turns. Sure,
2: yep. Well, and there again, you, you, when I first competed, I had never seen a show before, and I probably would have never competed had I seen a show. It was bad enough hearing the stories of all the things I had to do to prep for a show, spray tanning, shaving your whole body, all of these things. But um, I, the only thing I can really respond to that is at my very first show, I, if I go back and look at the pictures, I probably should not have been on stage if you really look at them. But you have to start somewhere. And I was remembering standing in line, ready to get spray tanned, and there was an 18-year-old, all ripped to get out kid. He was a personal trainer, all this stuff, and he got to talking. And, of course, people try and get in your head. And I finally just made the comment. I said, dude, I've already won. And he looked at me like, God, you're kind of arrogant about this. I said, no, I started at 230 pounds. I'm now at 155, and I'm going to step on stage. I've already run the, won the battle in my world. It doesn't matter where I finish. And then I think he finally got where I was coming from. And so I think if, mm-hmm. if somebody is considering competing, they have to go in realistically that in this day and age, those stages are highly competitive. So you're not, only one person finishes first. Everybody else exactly. finishes after that. So if you can accept not finishing first, then go in and have a good time and see, see if you even like the sport. Because I do know some people who have done it one time and they'll never do it again. And that's okay. That doesn't mean they have to give up actual routines for bodybuilding and eating right and being healthy. They just may never step on stage. That's Okay.
1: No, it totally is okay, and actually our next question dovetails into that pretty well because Brenda is asking, what was it like being the first time on stage and not winning and then not winning again after the second year and, and so on? Did you start to doubt yourself in your goals? Um,
2: I guess not so much. There Again, I chose to do this to keep on the straight and narrow. And what I say for my very first show is I probably shouldn't have been on stage, but I didn't finish mm-hmm. last. See, I walked away with that. I didn't finish last. Other people finished behind me. And that's okay. I have finished last, though. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I, I worked my way up to the top is yes. the best way that I can say it, you know. Agreed. And um, it it. If I, could, if I got into all the details of the bumps in the roads, even my trainer said to me one day, they go, Christopher, of everything that you have had to endure and put up with competing thus far, and this is only probably two years into my competition, she said, I'm surprised you even do this sport anymore. It's because I fell in love with the actual sport. I enjoy the camaraderie of all the people, whether they're local or not. It's almost like when you see these people at a show again, it's like you saw them last week. So they become lifelong friends. At least that's how I look at them.
1: No, I mean, and you you are so right about that. And I know all of our friends out in Real Talk Listenerland they've hear they've heard those same statements over and over again. Kaylin has said them. You know, several of our guests have said them, and it just reinforces that that is the type of environment and camaraderie that you can find in natural bodybuilding. Um, You know, I can't say that it's 100% for everyone out there because I can't speak for everyone Mm -hmm. out there, but it's a very consistent story that comes from a lot of different people. And it's one of the main reasons that they fall in love with the sport is the camaraderie and the challenge and just, you know, always being able to chase after that goal to improve yourself. Um, Exactly. With that being said, yep. With that being said, I'm going to take us back a little bit farther though, to your junior high days. And I know oh. you endured a lot, folks. He goes into a lot more description on the uh, documentary, so I suggest that you check it out there because it is still a very sensitive subject, but um, you know, please send your questions and we'll and we'll get them out there. So this one is not about you per se, Christopher, but Carl is asking, what would you say to the person of this day and age? who might be suffering from depression as a result of the bullying that you experienced and that, you know, it that seems to be leading to so many suicides, maybe even school shootings. Mm-hmm. You know, what would you say to that individual who is is facing those tough situations, that young man or woman?
2: Yep, and that's a, that's a really good question, and I think, you know, it, it's very timely. You know, this is what we're seeing at schools this day and age, and I, I can't say that back when I went through this, that some of those things, retaliation, didn't go through my head. But there again, it, it just wasn't who I was, so I endured it and made it through. Um, the If there's somebody out there who is in that depression level, I hope, somebody close to them recognizes it or they at least reach out to somebody that they trust. They have to open up. There again, I have talked about this with very close friends. The first time that it's really become public is the interview that I did with Kalyn. and uh, talking with my coach at that time, they're like, it's time you tell your story, Christopher. You have held it in for so long and even friends that I went to high school with and I know them today, they're like, we didn't know that you went through all of this because I didn't tell anybody. I walked around Mm -hmm. with a smile on my face every day. And like I said to one friend, I said, you know, a smile can hide a lot of pain. And so even Mm -hmm. these people that are walking around depressed, people may not know. So they, they do have to open up to somebody. And I hope that person, whoever it is, is really honored that that person trusted them enough to share that story with them and truly listen to what stage that they're at so that person doesn't fall into that dark, deep place of they're just done with the world.
1: hmm No doubt, wow. no doubt. And and thank you for, for sharing that answer with us. Kaylin. did you have anything you wanted to follow yeah, up with?
0: Yeah. Um, there, there's just so many times of those dark corners and everything, and and I just love how, chris is basically relating the point of take the time to listen i mean mm-hmm. like we we understand that people bully and we understand that you know these things happen but we never take we never reiterate the point that just like there's got to be one extreme there has to be another and if you, if somebody's doing all the talking and bullying then somebody has to be on that other side where they're willing to uh, basically pacify the situation and listen yep. because you know it, it's just too much at stake, and I, I love and Chris. Thanks for taking that question because Des and I, we we didn't know we didn't know if you'd even want to mm-hmm. answer that question, and we really appreciate uh, mm-hmm. you you know taking it and tackling it head on. And it seems like yep. that's what you're pretty much doing with your life now. So anybody that's listening that might be depressed, listen to what this man's saying and look at the standpoint he's coming from is a, a victor, a victory. I mean, it, this is. I love that. I mean I love the whole aspect of it and I love the fact when we were doing the interview that you were so forthgiving because it really does open eyes minds and hearts and that's what we need to make a better place.
2: Yep, that's
1: true. And I mean the thought that's coming into my head, I mean it's it's a terrible you know, terrible things happen to good people at different yes. ages, stages of life, all of that thing it happens But if you can, you know, hang on to your faith to get you through, I mean, the thought that keeps running through my head is that, you know, can turn all things to good. Things that were intended for evil, he can still turn to good. So you went through some very, very extremely tough times. I mean, just tough. And again, watch the documentary for more detail. Um, yeah. and it caused some other results that were negative. You had this extreme weight gain that continued through your life. But through that all, you found the wherewithal to make a change, and then it's transformed into this bodybuilder that you are today who has now been featured in a documentary, who has earned his pro card, you know, has this different lease on life. And so, you know, things can turn around. Everything doesn't always have to stay doom and gloom. It might seem that way while you're in it, but it doesn't mean that it will always, always stay that way. And so then to tag on to that, Blake is asking, what's it like after the journey that you've been on to find out that you won your pro card? What was it like to find out that you won your pro card after the journey you've been on? Had you come to the point where you had just figured you were always a top-five guy and never a winner, kind of like always the bridesmaid but never the bride.
2: Well, I can't say that I've had that realization, but to be honest, I remember standing on stage next to Lee Kirkwood, excellent bodybuilder himself. Uh, I believe he also has his pro card in another federation. And, we're stand, and it was kind of nice because we, out, we outbeat the young guys in our group. So it was the two old guys against the young guys. <laughs> and I remember nice. sitting there. Or standing next to him thinking, okay, I finished second. And when they called Lee's name, I went, that's not my name. <laughs> and it finally <laughs> sunk in that I had won, and I could hear my friend, Sarah, screaming in the audience, and all my friends that were there were screaming because they had followed me through these five years and knew the rough road that it has been because anybody who's done bodybuilding knows whether you win or lose, it's still tough. The road is tough. Yes. Um, the, the dieting, the training, everything. So um, they knew what I had gone through, and it was great to have them in the audience that night. And I, I was just shocked. I truly was. I I think there was a moment there that I don't even I can't even say what happened. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you just kind of blacked out for a second, and then it all came exactly. rushing back to you. Yeah. Funny. All right. All right. So the next question, Jim is asking with the cameras around, was there a better was there a better motivation to push you harder to win? Was having the cameras there a better motivation to push you harder to win?
2: Um the cameras really didn't show up until the day before and the day of the show. So the cameras didn't follow us around the entire year of our prep. So that was never uh, a thought. That never came into my mind or was it a concern of mine with the cameras being there. Um, the concern for me was always to do my best and to make sure that I uh, fulfilled what my coach wanted for me. Because I remember there were weeks in there that I just, like, I'd had it. I was done with this. And I'd get a message back, and it's like, you got eight more weeks to go, Christopher. You can do this. You know, my coach knew exactly, Leif Anderson knew exactly what to say to me to just get me through that next week. And it literally was there at the end week by week to get to that stage. And um, when the cameras finally showed up, it was sort of just like, ho-hum, I'm just so tired, hungry, just do what you got (laughs) to (laughs) do.
1: Been there, felt that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, happily all. (laughs) <laughs> and it's not easy. And I'd like to bring up the point about uh, Lee being out there because, you know, uh, Lee, Jack, and and Chris we, we, we are, are considered the elders on the stage that day. And I was really surprised at, at how much better they came in and how much harder they were really focusing on posing. And that comes with time sometimes, you know, you have some mm-hmm. kids that come through that like, like uh, Chris was saying at, at a previous show, where you have people that are are just spot on, and, and God bless them, they're ready. They knew what they were getting into, and they went in, they went in head first, and they dove right in with, with everything lining up, and they win. But then you have times where it's basically you have to grind it out because everybody's close and shape and physique, and basically everything you've learned over the time and the muscle maturity that it can basically be, a one point or two point factor in on your in your favor, you know, simply because you put in those years of work, have basically addressed what that judge, particular judge or judges are looking for that night. So, you know, if, if for me, hey, I'm a happy fella because hey, I'm in the master class myself, so I'm smiling all from ear to ear, and just knowing, you know, all the work that had been put in to make it happen, and then you know, Lee celebrating with Chris and Jack. It backstage, it, it's a beautiful thing to see, and I love that about the natural industry,
1: and I love that
0: about the natural community, is that there's so much smiling and happy backstage, because you can do it on stage and it's basically an act, but when you get backstage and you have people high-fiving and, and, and hugging, and I'm telling you, it, it's not an easy thing to hug somebody and, and pan. <laughs> but it still can happen. It still can happen correctly. So, Chris, you want to elaborate on that just a little bit, so people can understand that it's not just an act on stage, but it's it's a it's a true reality backstage as well.
2: Yeah, uh, and I I don't know what more to say about it is except you know as I get to know these people that I'm competing with more and more, you do truly become you know you become a family. You know that's how it is because I don't, I don't care what really anybody's journey was to get to that stage. Once you get there, you're all in the same boat. Like I said, you all stink, you're all hungry, you're all sweaty, and you just want to celebrate everybody's achievement no matter how you finish. And it is kind of disappointing, like you had already mentioned, Kaylin, about the incident last fall of one competitor who just didn't get it. And even when the head judge tried to find them and explain to them why they placed the way that they did, you know, I, I, I don't think that's right. You know, there is a part of sportsmanship that goes with this. And, you know, it kind of reflects on the guy who won, you know. It's like, okay, you're really sour braced because you didn't place first. So what does that say about the person who did then? you know, so mm. I was yeah. kind of surprised at that whole situation and, you know, hopefully that person kind of feels sorry for what they did. And I'm sure they do um, because at that moment too, emotions are high too. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, it's just, it's just tough. That backstage area and um, everybody trying to get from point A to point B, it's really nice when you're done and you all can celebrate like with the after party, there's some footage of the after party uh, that was, that we had after the show too just to get everybody there you know and everybody's now eating pizza and they feel better and it's like this is what it's all about in the end you know to have a good time at the end celebrate everybody's hard work and set a goal for next year
1: Exactly exactly so Chris I'm going to I'm going to bring us back around to um your junior high days again, our our listeners are keying in and we, I mean, they listen, our listeners listen, <laughs> go figure Good. very well. And they're very in tune with the things that our guests say. And so, um, our next question is from Heather. Um, she is wondering how you would address a preteen who is suffering from being bullied and named called, um, you know, he's, he's, Different, as you've said before, that we're different, as if we're not all different in our own way. But you know, he's a little bit overweight. Is not into sports, um, braces, the whole bit. Um, Mm -hmm. What what words would you have for him?
2: Um, I guess if I was made aware of the situation, and he was that kid was willing to sit down and open up to me, you know, and that that's not something that happens overnight either. Um, So it might, you know, be something. But if I got the opportunity just to tell them that, hey, I do understand. It doesn't seem like at the moment anybody understands your situation, but there's there's bullies everywhere, and then there's the kids that have been bullied. Because if you have bullies, they're bullying somebody. That's how they got their title. Um, To tell them that you can work through this, but you have to open up. You can't hold it all in you got to have a good support system, and maybe that's one of the things I had. You know, I, again, in the documentary, I talk about very strong women that raised me, and that sort of gave me some of the attributes I have today, which that's what I was made fun of. A lot of assumptions of my sexuality and all of that, which were all assumptions and not true, but that's because of who I was raised around, but that was my environment. It was mainly women, not a lot of strong men, so I don't complain about it. That's who I am. Um, and, you know, try and use my personal story to show them that you will get through this. It's, it's going to be hard. Can I say it's going to stop? No. But hopefully in finding out that it's there to try and go to those people. He needs an advocate to say this needs to come to a stop because you're destroying a child. And no one should have the right to destroy a child at any age. We should be building True. our children
0: up so that they're
1: strong adults in the future. Amen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, and, and actually, Chris, you're having that opportunity right now because Heather's son is sitting there with her listening to, you know, our show as you speak right now. So I think you, you've you shared some some great tips. And, you know, I just maybe some additional words of, encouragement of when you were feeling your worst, what was it that just helped you to keep going?
2: Um, I guess that's a tough one. And now knowing that he's listening, I'm going to direct this a little maybe more directed towards him. So, um, And kiddo, kiddo, I know it's tough for you today. But like I said, it's going to get better. Once I finally got out of high school and got into college, I found what true adults were. We're dealing with kids. And kids, I'm sorry, are one of the cruelest creatures on the planet. Um, Mm. And that's coming from someone who was a kid. (laughs) Um, And they're going to open up to mom, open up to dad, talk to them, tell them how you're feeling so that mom and dad can help you, Uh, one, Deal with the emotions, deal with the pain, deal with the hurt. And mom, listen to what your son has to say. His feelings are important, and I'm not saying you discount them by any means. I'm just emphasizing that as a point. Um, sometimes people are just like, oh, he's just being a baby. No, nope, I was never a fucking baby. It hurt. Words hurt. Um, again, my story, I'll get into it a little bit. When you're stabbed in the back physically by another student, that's wrong and somebody needs to stand up to make it stop and the, only, and the ones who can do it the best are parents who are true parents looking out for their, their children's best interests. It's not going to be easy for mom and dad too because sad to say, even back when I went through uh, junior high and high school, the school system, they just wanted the kids to show up and they wanted the kids to go home. They put in their time, they were done with them. They didn't want to deal, most of them. There were some really good instructors that I had that I really appreciate to this day. Um, and I think I set my goals for what I wanted for my future, and that's what got me through it. I wanted to, I wanted to prove people wrong. I was a fighter from the get-go. Uh, and not all kids have that. I understand it. Um, so I decided to fight against it. I accepted what was going along, maybe I shouldn't have accepted it to the degree that I did, but that's then, this is now. And it made me who I am today. I'm a very strong, assertive individual. Back then I would barely say boo to anybody. Now, as you can tell, people can't shut me up. <laughs>
0: but you're saying something, so that's a good thing. <laughs> well, yes, I hope and so.
1: you, I mean and you're speaking life with your words, so that's always a good thing. So Heather and family, i I hope this has been helpful to you, and you have our prayers, and I you know it's it's just a sucky thing i there There are really no good words for it because only time is going to tell how this is going to end up, but just keep the faith, keep yeah. the strength, and as a family, stay strong together and just keep pushing forward. For, for justice yep. is what it really is to be able exactly. to live your life being, quote, unquote, air quotes, different. And there's nothing wrong with that because we're all different and we all grow yep. into different people, just as Christopher was talking about. We're just getting started. As young kids, you're just getting started. You don't know what your future holds or what you can turn into. So you just have to keep plugging forward. And as hard as that may be, just don't give up on it. 'Cause there's a lot of work still in you and a lot of value. And it's just waiting to come out. And it comes yeah. out as we progress and age and mature and all that great stuff. So, you know, we're our hearts are with you on that. Um and you know, and we've we've had shows about bullying before and guests, and that's not what this show is is about per se, even though it is part of Christopher's story um but yes. it is just one of those topics that is still very important and just it's just not relevant. going anywhere it is very relevant yeah. it is very relevant and i think you know it's it's probably coming to the time where we probably want to have another show about that at some point because it is just still you know taking taking well, over headlines okay, Chris- across the US
0: is that okay christopher so oh
1: yeah okay Awesome. All right. Very good. So with that being said, and of course, we're running to the end of our time, which always comes up on us too quickly. So one last question for you, Christopher. What does the future hold for pro-Christopher
2: worth? Well, I was hoping no one was going to ask that question because I've sort of been keeping it on the rack. <laughs> Oh, come on. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So I guess this is going to be the public announcement that I wasn't going to do. And here again, I'm just going to add a little bit to that. One reason I was keeping this all under wraps, believe it or not, at 46 years old today, I still have bullies. We still have bullies as adults because those bullies that were in high school haven't changed much. So because cool. of where I'm at, those bullies are still around, and I didn't want them to know what my – future was as far as a pro. They were shocked that I even became oh. a pro and the whole rumor in the community was that Christopher had his pro card removed from him because the quality of competitors that he went up against weren't good enough so they took his pro card away. It's like, what? Oh, wow.
1: That really? is ridiculous. <laughs> well, first of all, first of all yeah. two things. You don't have to share your news if you don't want to because we would never force you or put you in jeopardy in any way. But that, no, no, no. secondly, pure ignorance. That's all I have to say yes. about that. 100% yes. pure ignorance.
2: Yes. So I do not oh. want to sharing my story. It's, again, it's one of those that should be out there. I should be celebrating with everybody else that this is my goal. My goal is to make my pro debut September, wow. I think it's 15th, at the Michigan Natural Bodybuilding Show in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, it's a show promoted by Leif Anderson, and it yep. is a pro-am. And so, yeah, that's, I'm in training right now. We have, I think, not that anyone's counting, 28 weeks. <laughs> 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 and they, will, no they will disappear quickly. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited. And depending on how that show goes, I have received an invite for an NGA show in Florida. I don't remember exactly where that was at. That's in November. So that might be in the cards for this year as well. Well, one show at a time.
1: Did you, you big baller shot caller, getting the invites to shows in other states? Congratulations. So who would have
2: known? <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> Congratulations. All right, Kaylin, we're coming down to our last sixty seconds. You've got the last word here for Christopher.
0: Well, Chris, again, congratulations on that, and, and thank you for your openness. I think uh, one of the two things that happened this week is the the guest's openness has really helped our listeners. I, I'm i really surprised, you know, that the, one of our listeners would come that far and ask that deep, but I thank you for as, answering that in a, in a very positive and appreciative way. Uh, thanks a lot for
2: that one, buddy. Sure. Thank you for having me tonight.
1: Yep, and we look forward to having you again. And, uh, you know, we'll be keeping our eye on you this fall. But uh, with right, that Thompson. being said, on behalf, yeah, on behalf of Christopher Worth, Kaylin, the boys of P4P Muscle, and myself, your body is a temple, so let's build it.
2: 18- plus.